Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, hope you had a happy 4th of July. Uh, hot on the heels of uh, dunking on the hot dog contest market. Uh, we enter the uh, doldrums of summer. I'd forget we didn't even talk hot dogs. You sat and talked for a half hour before we recorded this, and hot dogs didn't come up once. My God, we cleaned clocks on that. It was beautiful. That was a lot of shout fun. Out, shout out to uh, yeah, everybody, Joey and Chris, and everybody who passed this on. Miki, especially for yeah, actually eating the dogs. Oh my yeah. God, that was amazing what she was able to do. She did thirty-one last year and came up, you know, like one hundred and fifty percent of that this year. Forty-eight was, uh, and a half, just an absolute, a, just an absolute show. Just an absolute show. It was great. Shout out to Bet Online for putting up a prop I asked about. And <laughs> I apologize. Hey, they graded those props um, very fast. Very fast, very fairly. I had nothing but respect for offering and making the experience and entertainment all that much better. Right. Made made my day. Yep. So no, that was a lot of fun. Hot dog contest was great. Food was great. Drinks were great. It was nice and hot. Saw some fireworks. Dog ran away, got her back today. Yes. Like it was kind of a kind of an eventful day, but everything worked out great. And here we are on a Monday. And you know, we are gonna get into some football here later this week and then heavily probably for the rest of the summer as we get towards uh towards the start of the season. I wanna say two years ago we were doing like two divisions in one episode last yes. year. We were doing one division in an episode and they still were like an hour and 50 minutes long. So <laughs> yep. we, we, we are, we are strongly considering doing like 16 preview podcasts just because <laughs> there's no other sports. We have like nine weeks for football and we have plenty of time. And I still think if we could do like one on two teams and it still might end up being an hour and a half because there's so much, to say and so many interesting angles to look at and especially this year there's a lot of different angles to look at this year so yeah getting into that soon but yeah we brought up this a couple weeks ago we've been talking on and off but it it feels kind of real now even though there are some people backing out like the nba i think it's happening yeah i don't know put a percentage that the bubble pops i'm I'm like 90 10 it happens i would have said 85 15 because they got the backup bubble too Yeah, and just not forget about the bubble and the backup bubble part of it. Like this was this was um, carefully thought out. Yeah, like they really are pot committed on the bubble itself, which I think is the only way you can reasonably expect to keep an infection from wiping out an entire team for two weeks, which effectively derails your entire process. Like, I don't know how else you can do it besides what they came up with. Uh, and the fact that we've had a bunch of teams close, you know, close down camps, you know, recognizing, Hey, we got an outbreak on our hands here. that We have to take credit for, but they're not like, and we also won't be going to the bubble. They're basically like, Hey, we're closing out camps and we're going to quarantine in place until we travel to Orlando. Like, that's you know that's a positive sign i think that they're actually going to do this definitely um, definitely now whether or not they make it through the entire schedule without shenanigans unfolding is a totally different bet that's on the players um, i mean the play if if the players <clears throat> if some of the players the leaders on the team just tell these guys like hey don't sneak out and go chase trim don't go to the club. Don't do anything stupid. Like we want this to happen. Just, 
give i mean how long is this supposed to take like 10 weeks it's gonna be pretty long <laughs> yeah, i think it's, it's october october long. it's over so i made like three months like it's just gonna be like 12 me. weeks in total probably yeah give me this just and maybe if you're on a bad team you can say come on just these next eight games just don't do anything stupid i guess so hope- after the first round of the playoffs is done you'll be down to eight teams and that'll yeah. be a lot fewer people that's and probably about the time when people are going to be losing their shit anyway. And that, and that's too, hopefully those people are, you know, hopefully once you get down to that area where you're yeah, down to the last eight, like, like yeah, those, those yeah. people will be like focused, focused teams. And, but you brought up an interesting point and I just kind of touched on it a little with the NFL that does, you know, again, it's proving to show some, some interesting angles here when we do get into maybe not even the playoff portion, but the eight game regular schedule and anyone who doesn't know, they're going to make everybody play eight games, regular schedule to finish out the regular season. There is some seating and who's in and who's out to decide not much of that, but a little bit of seating to decide. So I, I think there could be, there might be some angles that flesh out too. If there's teams that are, not having any people testing positive and they're able to have a full camp for a couple weeks. And there's teams that, and even really, really good teams like Milwaukee, like it does suck. If you have, if you're able to, you know, if you're not able to have the camp, if you're not able to have the practice that other teams have, you know, I'm not saying like, Oh, Milwaukee has no chance to win the East. They're not going to compete for a title because they had to shut down for a couple weeks, but, you know, maybe when we get into the eight game slate, it's something to be looked at, which teams were able to practice more, which teams weren't, which teams had to travel more, which teams had just other general pain in the asses when it comes to uh, this sort of thing. So it's definitely, I don't think you can get into this without doing a bunch of research, which is why I have you. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions today. Sure. We don't really we don't have an NBA guest because you're my NBA guest. You're the guy okay. I always ask my NBA stuff. So I, I guess the opt outs that was my first big question. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's talking to Avery Bradley, and that seems to be a bigger one, especially since it's a team that is expected to compete for the West and the title. But mm-hmm. other other opt outs like how much weight can you be putting into some stuff like that? And, you know, when we do it in the NFL, we say. You know, you do have to look at the back. You know, obviously, you have to look at the backup because if there's not a huge difference from a shitty quarterback to a, a decent backup, maybe we're not making huge adjustments. But I think it's a lot more complicated in the NBA where you're talking about the usage, um, the the minutes yeah. that are from the people behind him, but also what kind of lineups you can put out there if you're going to miss a guy. It's it's not so it's not so cut and dried as you know we're, the center's out. The other yeah. center, the other center is going to uh, center in an NFL terms. The other center is going to come in. He's going to hike the ball and he's going to block. You know, it's not like we're going to have to do a whole different offense based around a center. That right. center might be much worse, but at the same time, you're not looking at completely different rotations, completely different lineups. Like, how much of that are you looking at with some of these opt-outs? No, that's a really important point, and I think even more than. Um, just who's in, who's out, and what impact that has, because it's all over the board. Like somebody like um, DeAndre Jordan out for the Nets, you know, opens up opportunity for their younger, better players, and that's probably a good thing for the Nets. Um, but then you know, you lose a guy like Spencer D- Dinwiddie, and now 
you know, now you're super thin in terms of, you know, playmaking, uh, you know, shot creating point guards, that's going to affect your scoring big time. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely a, a, a way to kind of go through and um, one by one quantify the impact of who's for sure out. Uh, and it's actually, that's maybe one of only a handful of knowns that we're really bringing to this at all. Like the much tougher to kind of nail down unknowns, I think, especially if betting this, um, you know, this eight game restart end of the regular season, like how it's really uh, anyone's guess how the coaches are going to distribute minutes for their starters. Uh, this has the, a very summer, uh, summer league feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and if you know or watch anything about the summer league, um, you know, the first handful of games, they kind of everybody gets a chance to play. They're trying to get everybody a little bit of, you know, a little bit of game speed, a little bit of rhythm, even the lottery picks. But then, you know, as you kind of march through and you get, you know, deeper into that process, those guys start to sit. It's all G-leaguers by the end of it because, uh, you know, you don't want guys to get hurt and, you know, meaningless action. And so there's going to be an entire kind of um, speculation revolving around who's truly competing for wins and who's, uh, for lack of a better word, tanking during this eight-game restart. Um, and, you know, it's guys like, uh, you know, there are very meaningful guys like Bradley Beal, uh, obviously the star of the Wizards, who is not confirmed to even be playing yet. Uh, and that makes a huge difference because if he's out, Bertans is already out for the Wizards. If he's out, then, you know, at that point, the Wizards literally are incentivized to just play their entire G League squad, right? Like, just get all these guys reps. That's all you're doing in this whole process. You're not trying to win anything, right? Sun's probably already in that boat, too, given their, you know, how hard it would be for them to claw back into the race. I'm not exactly sure why they're even there. Um, and yeah, then that, in- that, that made my list of questions <laughs> just like, yeah. you know, and you say, you know, there's things we know and there's things we don't. But I think if you take uh, all the things we don't know, there are, <laughs> there are, well, there are a few that we're going to be able to figure out quicker than others. And I think that might be one of them is teams intentions and what, what they're going to be using these eight games for, especially some of the teams are not really, you know, involved in, in the discussion of who's going to make the playoffs and win and stuff, whether you see these the summer league lineups, the G league guys, or, you know, if yeah. just a heavy, you know, going like a 14 man rotation, just everybody's in all kinds of minutes. So you, I think there'll be some pretty good live opportunities in the first couple of games. If you can identify a team that is just going a completely different direction than maybe the market thought they were going to, or, you know, that goes both ways. If a, the team's, you know, we're going to get out here and compete. We're putting a full lineup. This is our playoff lineup right off the bat. Well, you know, if it's a playoff team that maybe has some seating pretty much locked up and, you know, apparently the market is maybe taking a look at that and saying, this is a team that probably isn't incentivized to try too hard. And then they come out with the full, like, playoff lineup, playoff rotation, they're playing real hard. You know, things things could get uh, pretty lucrative for somebody who can identify that stuff and live bet right off the bat. Yeah, no. but, he, but he I don't know if I'd be year. betting pregame on a lot of these unless you have a good grip on the totals. Yeah. Well, I like think about like the first game for the Bucks is going to be Bucks celtics Bucks are minus – they open the Bucks minus five and a half. That implies that 
they are going to give you effectively a preview of whatever that playoff series would look like, right? You think you're getting a full play, you know, like exactly like you mentioned, like you're going to get the full lineup that the Bucks are going to roll out there for the playoffs for this meaningless game that's not going to change either team's seating or either team's chance of winning a title. And even if the Bucks do roll out a full, you know, their 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 starting five come playoff time, like are they really going to expose what they've been working on, you know, and what they have in their pocket as far as you know how they want to attack the Celtics if they come to a playoff series? Like they're like both teams in that instance are strongly incentivized to not expose any of their cards. Whatever you think your key advantage is over your opponent, you should hide it at all costs in that game, right? And that yeah. kind of speaks to sort of like the you know maybe the key criticism of what they tried to do with this eight game restart like they're trying to give the players the chance to get the legs under them but and they've tried to maintain as much of the advantage that was built into the you know this the you know the performance that a team has put on to date this season they tried to kind of keep that as intact as possible but they've given us this format where 90 ish percent of the restart games are going to have virtually no consequence one way or another like short of the pelicans and the grizzlies does anyone really have a realistic shot at changing their fortunes by that much one way or another or like positively like i i sure sure as hell can't see it so it's it's uh, no, and all I, this kind of boils down to like who cares if you're if you're the fourth seed or the sixth seed in the east does it matter one way or the other for your overall uh you know your overall playoff Hopes? No. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Though. No home, home court, court, home court yeah. is completely wiped out with this. The only, and I don't know how hard I can subscribe to this. The only thing that had a glimmer of making sense to me about this is going back to what I said about teams maybe coming out rusty, teams not getting a full prep time to get ready for this. Um, they, you know, said. Somebody, I can't remember who said this, but they said, is it better to play a great team first? Like, do you, mm. would, you, would you rather play the Lakers or Clippers right away than playing them after they get things rolling? Which that's, that's a real hard one to say. And then what are you, mm. you know, what are you going to do? You're going to try to tank or purposely win or lose, purposely win. That's hilarious. Purposely lose or really try hard in certain games to try to jack you for position so you can do something like that. It, it seems tough. To, yeah. It's a tough sell for me. I think everybody's probably just in the boat of like happy we're able to play, let the chips fall where they may here. We're in the playoffs. We got to yeah. You know, let, let's just get through these eight games, get stay the healthy, yeah. stay healthy. I think that's the biggest thing because just odds wise, like there'll be, I, I think somebody's going to get it. I think someone's going to be quarantined. It just, oh, yeah. Is it, is it a big name or isn't it? So that'll be really interesting. Obviously, uncappable. Somebody's going to have a temper tantrum on Twitter when they go heavy on a game and then the star player tests and has to set. Cause that, <laughs> yes. that's gotta be, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, and, that's, and if you're, that's line if you're to like betting, minus 2000. Yeah. If you're betting M- NBA, you should be used to it anyway with late scratches. Yeah. You know, I that, guess that uh, kind happens. of more specific to your question though. Um, does somebody like Avery Bradley move the needle one way or another on the futures market? That's, that's kind of, that's, a, that's a tough call for me. Cause no one to this point that is elected to sit out did I have making more than a 2% contribution to their team 
or did they play for a team that had more than a 2% chance of winning a title? Like Oladipo for the Pacers is a good example. Like he obviously moves the needle more than 2%, but the Pacers with or without him are still, you know, like I have them about a 2% chance to win the title. So it doesn't, or to win the East even. So it doesn't really matter to me one way or the other that Oladipo is setting out. Right. Um, similarly with Beal and, you know, I guess Avery Bradley, I would say, yeah, does that make the Lakers perilously thin in terms of guard? Yes. Does it uh, impact their, you know, their, their team defense from at the guard position? Yes. Um, I'm not sure exactly who that hurts them against. I suppose it makes them a little bit more vulnerable to the likes of the Houston Rockets. If they see the Rockets in round two of the playoffs and the Rockets can get some of their shooting going. Uh, on the perimeter, uh, then a guy like Avery Bradley might be missed. Um, but I don't think that that moves my price on the series more than a, you know, a nickel or so, or so if that. Um, so I think that's where I'm at really on so, so what we know so far as far as player absences go. Um, I think a much more, you know, and you don't even need me to be telling you this, but the, there's a much more seismic I'll shift in the listen. futures market. Uh, based on the taking away home field, you know, home court advantage. Like Somebody that's brought, yeah, Someone brought that up. Did you, and I was going to ask that's on my list of questions. What did move and did, were there like, it felt like some of the numbers at the top didn't move enough. Yeah, that's like that. Strongly it, agree. it felt like the, the <laughs> yes. favorites stayed the favorites. And I think it's because the, the kind of people that are going to bet the Lakers Clippers bucks right now don't care. Like they don't, they're not, they're not uh, running a complicated simulation on what they actually think the odds of the Bucks are. They just yeah. want, they want to bet some NBA, and they know the Bucks are good. So yeah. I, I definitely feel like the top numbers are just way off. Yes, I agree with you 100. percent I didn't feel like the market really reacted much at all uh, in in this. You know what, what the impact of this was going to be. Um, and I guess they have enough liabilities, you know, that at this point they've taken enough bets over the season that keeping everything intact, I'm guessing that's playing some into the decision-making not to drift out on numbers like the Lakers and Bucks and take more money. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're trying to write more action on the teams that they would potentially write action with, even if they give people a bad number. Yeah. So basically I think we're in agreement. Like they didn't move the number to reflect it enough and that was probably just because they knew they were going to write the same tickets, whether it was 300 or 400 on the bucks, you know? And yeah. so, but, but make no mistake about it. This new restart in the bubble, um, it hurts the bucks so much. It is really like one of the more shocking, like in season kind of, you know, short of like losing your star player for the season, you know, short of up oh, Steph Curry's out for the Warriors. And what does that do to change their, uh, you know, their season prospect on, you know, October 19th, 2019. Like, obviously that was, you know, they went from fringe contender to, you know, worst team in the league, right? Like that's, this is, this is, uh, this isn't that severe, obviously, but this is a major, major downgrade to that, uh, that uh, team's number one, their chances of, of winning the East even. And then beyond that, uh, you know, they were, uh, they were a team that just absolutely was in rhythm. They had everybody's roles were well-defined. Uh, Giannis took an enormous, meaningful step forward in his progression as, you know, a super-duper star player in the league. Uh, That's what sucks about this whole really thing. Like, not tested. seeing the, yeah, not seeing these teams really, like, I, 
I don't think I'm ready. And unless there's a long shot and you feel good about the roster and a few other things that uh, come into the, you know, come into play here. I'm not excited about placing a futures bet right now. I've got a bunch that'll probably get um, returned to me. I have like division winners and stuff. I don't know. I guess I'll have to look at some of that. If that's even going to get honored, I think it's a wash if it wins or loses or wins or pushes gets returned either way. So it is, it is what it is with that, but I'm, I'm not like running to the window to bet outrights right now, especially when uh, that's a market that's going to be open after the first couple games. And I think, and I I think you'll have a lot better sense of like, Oh shit, the heat are serious. Like they are, (laughs) they are, you know, with the, with not having to not, not having to go to Milwaukee a couple times or up to the garden you know, Boston, not New York, <laughs> obviously, you know, that may, probably makes a big difference to uh, the chances of a team like that. So I think it'll be something maybe I dabble in once we, once we actually get into a few of these games. Um, yeah. I think you're going to be able to do just as well. Nailing, nailing yeah, series prices. And, 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 and I, I love like series that. prices, series handicaps, series yeah. handicap parlays. Like that's my favorite part of the NBA playoffs. Yeah. And far. all of that, if you get good, if you have developed some good numbers on teams heading into the playoffs this year, because uh, everything's neutral, um, you're going to get more information from the market on what true prices ought to be. You're going to be able to convolve a lot of advantage play in those derivatives markets, I believe, in the mm-hmm. series markets and the handicaps and the totals and things like that. Like there's going to be we've always a lot. There's going to be I felt a like. lot, but this, but it's you're going to have even sharper, uh, yeah. you know, sharper inputs to that this year because there's not much guesswork as far as how the, um, you know, every single game presumably the winning you know, the, the expected winning percentage of team A versus team B is identical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to handle the flipping flipping venues and what happens to a series complexion if the uh, underdog wins one of the first two, right? Like there's like all <laughs> yeah, that the stuff. underdog win, it's not like, oh, you, oh, <laughs> yeah. they flipped, they flipped home court. You know, a series yeah. doesn't start yeah. until no. <laughs> an away team wins. Shit, it, shit ain't going to happen. We're never going to get, we're never, yeah, never going to start. Never gonna start. So, yeah. no, that's um, a really good point. Um, uh, and it is like, I think we're going to have a much better grip on like what these teams actually are after watching a couple games. And I don't think the markets are just going to go crazy and we're going to miss some good numbers on a longer shot. And maybe the Clippers just win it all anyway, because they're such a solid team, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun watching these games to kind of get a sense for where some of these teams' mindsets are at. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to the leadership on the team, not only the players, but coaches, which leads me to my next question point I had. And I do got to give credit to this one. I listened to a few NBA podcasts over the last couple of days. So our uh, finally quaffed friend, from you better you bet nick costos did an appearance on i want to say it was the um jim sanas ned fangs thing that i can't oh yeah covering the spread Uh, covering the spread yeah he was on there i listened to that earlier today and loved nick to death and he had some good points and he has he's kind of you know he disparages himself a little sometimes because he's not a data-driven numbers guy and he goes to narrative island constantly but yeah, the he's, one a that, qual. he's a qual. He's a qual. He is very qualitative handicapper, and he 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 does you know disparage himself a little. But man, he kind of had a good point about 
the the fact that the no crowds to to pump up these you know on offense he's like what about teams with just good defense good coaching he's like can't we just can't we just give those teams a bump right now because you don't have a crowd a team that's willing to play tough defense and has a good coach he's like i like teams like that right now in in this environment he's like yeah. i think and i don't know i'm not a big nba guy i wanted your take on that I, I 100% agree with that take. And that was my, that maybe might have been my first thought when they kind of released the, hey, this is our plan for the bubble. And these are all going to be played on a neutral court without fans. My first thought was like, holy crap, if the refs call a typical, if, if, if it's a typical playoff whistle, then the teams that play, you know, that play superior defense are going to be massively underrated by the market. And I think you see that. I really do think that, uh, you know, that in general, um, you know, that's not being accounted for especially well. Um, I think the, the coaching and chemistry is massive as well as defense. Like if you can find a team that kind of excels at all three levels. Um, chemistry, you know, that was a good one. Yeah, I didn't, I kind of missed that. Oof, but man, yeah, that's a, big. a team that's been together for maybe a little longer, or yeah. at least at, at the the top level, the top two, three stars. Yeah, look at two teams. Or... Look at two teams who are lined relatively closely in uh, in the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors have amazing chemistry. They've sorted out all of their playoff rotation issues, having gone on that run last year. They've they have superior coaching, uh, specifically related to in series adjustments, and they have superior defense. I think in no world should the Sixers and the Raptors be anywhere close to the same price. The Sixers not only do they have a tougher path potentially having to go through Boston, then. Toronto, then uh, Milwaukee, uh, or through four or five matchup, and then Milwaukee directly in round two, and then the winner of Boston Toronto. Like that's a much tougher path than what we're talking about. Toronto having to go through, likely maintaining the two seed, getting whatever jumps fall into the seven seed, uh, and then you know a free pass to take on the winner of the three six matchup, which to this, which at this particular moment would be Boston Philly. Like there's just there's no sense in that you know the, those teams being priced rough, roughly the same given everything we know about this, um, but uh, you know a lot of those examples exist as you look across the markets right now, and I do think that you know my priors going into this experiment, you know whatever I'm numbers I'm using heading into the uh, the playoff series, I'm going to be upweighting defense um, probably to the tune of maybe one and a half to two to one. Um, that when normally on a regular, you know, on a regular adjusting from uh, day-to-day NBA to playoff NBA, I might upweight defense like maybe 1.25-ish, like just a little bit of an upweight relative to offense. So I think, I think it's entirely plausible to, to give defense higher, uh, defense and coaching a higher, uh, you know, higher value in your overall number generating this this playoff series relative to an average one. And yeah, and another point, it's like if we want to just shit on the Sixers because honestly everybody did, everybody I listened to. But, <laughs> you know, uh, a point was brought up like they were a good home team. Yeah, uh, yes, they were. Like, yeah, that's right. You, you know, if you do have a team that was disproportionately better at home, their home road splits, like that's not helping them as they – 
go have zero home games. You know, it's not like <laughs> it's not like you know, it's not the full true road game. But at the same time, if you're not playing well outside of your home home confines, like I'm not excited to back you. So yeah, I've yeah. been I've been really talked out of the 76ers by multiple people now. I mean, the chemistry thing is massive too. Number one, yeah. chemistry in two ways. Chemistry on the floor, uh, which is to say we really have no idea what Al Horford's role is going to be. We have no idea if Brett Brown knows what Al Horford's role should be. We have no idea how any of these players really are going to fit together uh, in, this, in the landscape of a playoff series. And we also have no confidence that uh, you know, that they're going to get together, get along well off the court, right? These aren't guys that especially liked each other uh, throughout the course of this season. So how putting them in a bubble and forcing them to, you know, live and, you know, you know, live and breathe with each other day in, day out, like they're all of a sudden going to kumbaya? No freaking way. Like I have much, much, that's a, that is a huge stretch. And uh, I could entirely see, uh, you know, see this deteriorate to the tune of, uh, they're not happy there after the eight game restart. They got a three, six matchup against the Celtics. They lose games one and two and they're like, all right, fuck it. We quit. We're done. Yeah. This is stupid. This whole thing was stupid. We want to go home. <laughs> or Embiid gets hurt because he's been out of out of basketball playing shape for I want months. out of my oh my god. That and that's another thing. And this this is kind of multifaceted. I thought about this for a second and I said now, Andy, looking at outrights, even even if you were getting into some of these round-by-round round prices or handicaps, how you look at it when you're playing serious prices, like, do I want to take it lighter? Because, you know, let's say LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Tatum, and Giannis. If one of those guys gets Rona, like, yeah. uh, there, you know, there's a lot of people that don't move the needle on a team or don't move it enough to maybe affect an entire series, especially early on. But if one of those guys has to sit, like that, that series yeah. price moves precipitously, heavily. So, And, and I, I said that and I, in my head. I'm like, you know, maybe it's with the uncertainty of the coronavirus, I should be taking it easy. But, I mean, is the odds of – and I think it is. I think the answer is yes, but I'm looking for maybe a number or a multiplier. Yeah. You know, at the same time, like Durant got hurt going heading into the finals last year or the year before, whenever. That was last yeah. year. Boy, it feels that like a million years yes, ago. Yes, but, yes, I mean, yes. I mean, a swung, star, a star player could still price, get yeah. hurt. Yeah. So, I, I mean, series price like 300 cents. <laughs> it, it certainly did. So, like yeah. so you know, what, yeah. what are the, like, do you think the risk of a player having to sit out for COVID is a lot higher than like a player? Just, you know, ripping an Achilles during a physical basketball game, especially, and, and maybe this answers the question and says, yes, you should take it easier because not only is the risk of getting hurt maybe higher because players are a little out of shape, but also you have the COVID problem where a player could have to be quarantined for a couple weeks. So I think I'm a little skittish on going too heavy on some of these outrights. I mean, if you have an edge, you have an edge, you got to bet it. But at the same time, like, are are you worried about that at all? Yeah, I guess. Because it could, then at the same time, like you say, oh, like, you know, uh, I bet the Clippers to win it and Kawhi got coronavirus. 
uh, at the same time, <laughs> yeah, like you can say, I bet the Lakers to win it, and Kawhi got coronavirus. Yeah, right. You right. know, I, I feel yeah. like it, it could it could hurt you as, as much as it can help you. It, yeah, no, it I think depends on your luck. Square, it squarely comes down to which teams you're evaluating. Like the yeah. Bucks are a higher, they're a more potentially deviant team because of how much of their strength revolves around one player, right? Giannis's so singular um, impact on the Bucks' fortunes for this playoff series make him, you know, kind of a, the most uh, impactful in or out on a given night for a given game for a playoff series for a fourteen day window, whatever you want to, however you want to define it. Um, and yeah, all it takes is you know one cafeteria worker sneezing, and bam, Bucks title futures go from plus three hundred to plus three thousand. Like that's entirely possible. Um, I, yeah, that's a good point. As, different teams have different depths, even if you oh, want yeah, to say sure. like from the very top. Sure. Like who on who on the uh, who on the um, Celtics really meaningfully changes their chances to win the East by more than a percent or two uh, if they have to miss two weeks? It's tough to really say. I mean, Tatum obviously has emerged to you know to star status this year. Um, but if he happens to be out for a given series, I don't know that I'm moving a, any game line more than about two and a half points. Uh, whereas if Giannis is out for a given game, uh, you know, aside from the round one series against, you know, presumably the Nets, I think I would move the Bucks line like more like five or six points, right? And yeah. so now that now you're talking like um, that's a that's a win probability swing of about 20 ish percent on a single game. And so now if that guy's missing the series, you're convolving that into a series price swing of like what 40 or 50%. <laughs> like it's a big swing. Maybe, uh, m- maybe, you know, a, a team like, uh, it's probably more like 40%. Uh, I would guess a bucks series could swing from 80 to 40 or something like that in round two of the playoffs. If, Giannis happened to miss the whole series. That's just kind of maybe more like 85 to 45, actually. But that's that's probably where it's at. So I, I think it does depend on you know which teams are the most star, you know, the the heaviest burden is on the star player. Um the fact that you have some redundancy between AD and LeBron and the Lakers is you know makes them less likely to kind of bear the consequence. Uh the fact that so much of the Clippers offense goes through Kawhi in crunch time makes him more valuable to the Clippers than I would say LeBron is, for instance, to the Lakers, which sounds crazy to say because of the way that they performed this season, but um I think that's reality. Um so I guess Bucks Clippers, although on paper would be your most likely NBA finals. Uh, those two teams carry the, uh, the longest negative tails. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. Like every team has a very unique distribution in a normal season. And some of those are greatly exacerbated by what I brought up with, you know, just the, maybe a higher injury risk. It's something we've been railing on about, possibly in the NFL, if they skip preseason and camps and stuff, we're going to see wild injuries in the first half of the season rather than the first couple weeks. And we can see some similar stuff as some hamstrings pop out there on the courts in Orlando. And then also, like, uh, I'm not going to say someone will get coronavirus, but uh, probably. Like, What would you put the odds at zero players – 
get tested positive between the start and the end. Like that's a big number. Uh, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it. It's well under one percent, so yeah, it's <laughs> definitely it's, over a hundred to one. Uh, someone, I mean, wow. just from what we've seen, there's from, so many people from involved in from this. the yeah. camps, not even the camps, the uh, you know the practices they've had already, and what we've seen in baseball, what we've seen in golf. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be kind of a nightmare. But yeah, just be I happy. mean, the fact that be the, happy it's, it's back, people. Yeah, no, we're. I think I, they're gonna they're gonna put their heads down and truck through this. But yeah, your point is is reasonable. That will some will some player over the course of this restart miss a game because of a coronavirus, uh, you know, a related illness? Yeah, yeah, that's like you know ninety nine point nine percent something like that. Uh, it's it's a very high number. You just don't you know you just gotta gotta be careful which which one of your players gets it. I guess I don't know the. Um, the I guess the key thought though really is um, it does make sense to go lighter in terms of getting involved in the futures market, even if you have quantifiable edges, which I can tell you exist this moment. Looking across the numbers that are out there, um, you know it doesn't necessarily you know they're, they're, the uncertainty bands are wider than normal, uh, and uh, the you know like the, the things we're talking about I think are all really really relevant. Um, you know, it's it's tough for me to uh, kind of see this, see how this plays out in my head without um, there being like five surprises. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and that that's where I think this is going to be a very big exercise in adjusting on the fly. And maybe I'll talk about this later in the week when it comes to NFL. I think that's going to be a skill. And I, oh, think yeah. it's a, I think it's a skill a lot of people have already, but I think it's a skill you're going to have to dig a little deeper into this coming fall as you bet into baseball, any of the major sports. You're going to have to be adjusting much quicker. You know, mm-hmm. you listen to people and other handicappers talk about how they adjust their power numbers from week to week. Like, we're going to have to be adjusting stuff fast, hard, yeah. and, and yeah. like keep your preconceived notions, keep them at the door. Yeah, because there, be there's going to be so much. It's very, yeah. very fluid. You got, yeah, you got to be ahead of the change in the market, and then you got to know when the market's caught up to you because it's all going to move super fast. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a uh, God. It's going to be weird because something <laughs> just something like one of these. You know, like who are your who's your second best team in the East? If you the Raptors, if nothing at Raptors. Like yeah. out of like. Out of the two LA teams, the Raptors and the Bucks, like yeah. somebody, somebody's gonna sit. Like I just yeah. feel, you know, like my number of like, will anybody get it? I think like somebody important or at least a heavy role player from one of these top teams is gonna have to sit out, and it's really gonna, it's really gonna make a mess of something. And it'll be, it'll be real interesting to see if if something happens early to like a Bucks team where they they lose one of their, you know, second tier players for maybe like 14 days and like, you know, he, he could, he could possibly come back and it's not like uh, an injury where they're just speculating. Like he yeah. could possibly come back here. It's like, no, I mean, 14 days with a negative test, he's back. Like, yeah. It'll be, it'll be weird to have guys that have to sit out. I wonder if yeah. they'll be able to, you know, it'll depend uh, if they're not symptomatic or sick, if they're just a positive test, I suppose they'll be able to just work out in isolation and stay in shape. 
yeah, it's still different than being in game, you know, game up to game speed. But yeah, no, I think um, if you have a handful of beat writers who are not mainstream that cover the teams that you think matter, I would put them on a list and put them all on notifications. I think there will be that we like what um, there there will be people. I think so far every time the news has trickled to Woj. Uh, there's been other people that I've seen with that information 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour before it got to Woj uh, in some of the smaller markets especially. So I, I honestly, I would say you can do enough information handicapping to probably make uh, a decent amount of money during this whole thing just on the points you're bringing up. Yeah, and um, it, it's going to be huge informational. Like yeah. b- being fast. And so, I mean, yeah, set, set the alerts for a few people who you think are going to have the news fast. Yeah. Don't worry um, about what don't, and, and don't worry about what because Woj. as soon as that goes out, the market's already adjusted yep. for it and you're too late. So, um, yeah, I listened to Davis Maddock and we did a crossover pod with a few weeks back. I listened to his NBA talk. I can't remember who his guest was. It's somebody I've heard before for sure. And they talked about that a little as far as the like the media that will be in the bubble. Like, mm. and, and they were speaking a lot to DFS. Like they were highly worried about you know lineup locking with some of the weird times and the weird schedules. Mm. Oh, interesting. Go, you know, as far as yeah. players sitting out and stuff, you really have to if you really want to get into NBA DFS during this, you're gonna have to Obviously, you always have to pay attention, but you're really going to have to pay attention. They both said it, said, you know, we're not going to have three beat writers per team. <laughs> you know, like they, yeah, like, you know, they're not going to let a couple hundred media members down in this bubble. That's so, a good and point. They, and they, they didn't have an answer for it. And I haven't found anything either. I don't think anyone really knows right now. Maybe some people in Silver's office, but like, how many media members are there? And it, the sooner you can figure out who's actually down there and talking to people and getting getting the info faster, the better, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the, it's. I guess in my head, things are so things. Information moves digitally so effectively nowadays. I would assume that the player finds out first if they're going to be uh, quarantined. The coach finds out second. The t- people around the team find out third, uh, and then that's where your leak to. And then you Sham, know, Shams a, a, finds out fifth. And Shams finds out after. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, no, there, there will potentially still be a digital leak out mm-hmm. to sort of the tried and true people who kind of know this stuff for, yep. the, you know, who, who follow a specific team. So that, I think I think there will be opportunities where we'll see a five-point swing and be on the front end of it, at least in one or two games. That's my prediction. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be fun. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Interesting, I guess. It'll it'll be you know that steam move on Twitter that you see. Like, if you just want to sit and stare at screens, like you'll you'll oh, be yeah, five. You'll, I mean, you'll be five minutes ahead. Like you, you might not know what to tell people, but you can tell your friends. Like, hey, there's about to be some wild ass news about the heat. In five, yeah. to, in, in five or ten minutes, I yeah. don't know who it is, but somebody yeah. just got coronavirus. Looking at the mag, yeah, looking at the magnitude of this move, it's probably Jimmy Butler, but I can't really tell. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that'll be that'll make. And I, I again, 
it's not just going to be NBA. You're really going to have to keep your goddamn head on the swivel for all the sports as we go forward through the rest of the year. Hmm. What's nice is like golf has been kind of nice because it's pretty chill as far as, you know, that there's a little more time between things and people are withdrawing pretty quickly before the tournament. Which yeah. Plus bet- there's not a, yeah, there's, there's no way to bet. There's no way to market cap on it. There's no way to capitalize yes. on it in the market really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the field goes from hundred and usually they're filling in anyway, but yeah. even if they dropped like one golfer, it's like, Oh man, you see Webb Simpson's number now. There's only 147 other golfers, <laughs> you know. Yeah, or, and, 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 and any matchup, matchup, matchup's canceled. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Maybe the most infuriating thing in golf. And I have to go back and find this, but this has definitely happened where somebody comes out and like tests out an injury and plays a couple holes, oh, yeah. and then says, "Nah, just I don't have it today." Usually, it's Jason Day, right? And then you you lose, yeah, it's always Jason Day. And then you you lose a bet, whereas all he had to do was just not hit any balls and say, I don't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think uh, – I, I do think, uh, you know, availability is going to be hugely important um, because there's really – you know, there's just – there are very few differentiating factors, really. Like almost everything that you're going to come to – you know, bringing your handicap to a given series, a given game is going to be born out of understanding what each given coach will do to, you know, to either, uh, you know, adjust his defense to prevent whatever glaring weakness got exposed in the first game uh, and or adjust his offense to try to get better looks for his scores. You know, whatever the kind of the key weaknesses that a team presents in a given early games in a series, I think uh, the, the differentiating factors of figuring out, okay, those coaches are going to do this and this to respond to that outcome. And he, does he have the personnel to pull it off? Yes or no. Uh, does the opposing team have additional adjustments that they can make at halftime to, you know, to neutralize that, you know, like you're going to have to kind of think through some of those very specific angles uh and find differentiation there um more so than uh you know you we would otherwise have in these types of situations mm-hmm. uh yeah other than that, i think you hit a lot of my stuff i don't know if you had anything else i did want to ask if you had looked at some of the i mean you know not to say shill me some picks but yeah, there, sure. There's some interesting markets here as far as what team will be the eighth seed in the West. You know, I know some people that like the Pelicans to do that, and they're two to one. Will there be a play-in game? Um, or this is actually this is oddly worded. Will the ninth seed win a play-in game tournament game? It's a weird way to phrase that. And then Whoever also, that is. Yeah, yeah, and also then the Magic and uh, basically the Magic and Nets. Who will be the eighth? What's seed the price on will the ninth team win a tournament game, playing game? In they have a separate for East and West. It's can minus you give one, me the West price? Yeah, one minus one forty for the yes. Hmm. Basically, I mean the will there that's be? That's basically a, that's basically a money line for Pelicans Grizz. Yeah, uh, in that in that in the first of the two playing games, and it and it cancels if they don't have a playing game. Hmm. Minus one forty, I think, probably is value on the Pelicans in that that spot, but it's not a ton. Yeah, 
if it was closer to 50 50 i'd be like oh that's a nice bet let's get that um minus 140 is pretty fair actually um what yeah do you no, think I the think- price is for the east uh, I think the price for the East is a free roll, <laughs> so it doesn't matter because <laughs> the Wizards aren't getting there. Um, well, no, it's 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 Nets and Magic. No, no, but the but the um oh the nine the Wizards yeah the Wizards have to force a force one, which means they have yeah, to get with yeah. the next games, and I don't think that's possible. But yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I I would say that that price, if I was making a price, would probably be like I don't know plus one thirty ish for the no. Yeah, for the uh, for the yes, no, for the yes, for the yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's minus one ten for the yes, minus one twenty. Okay. A little juicy because it's a prop. Okay. What, have you looked at all at the just the straight up future prices? Yeah, yeah. Did uh, I did some careful kind of cruising through there, and you know, I get I get your your point. I mean, the the Heat are definitely a team worth watching in the East. I think you're right that they have kind of the makeup and the coaching to win them whatever playoff series they find themselves in round one um i guess top to bottom this is how i see the east um i I think it is going to be very very difficult for the one and two seeds to change you're going to get bucks one uh raptors two uh i think the celtics are squarely in three uh and then there is a full-on um mess you know anyone's guess for four five six it's a it's a virtually a statistical tie between miami indiana and Philadelphia, given that Indiana is going into this uh, restart without Oladipo, I think that obviously handicaps them in this race. And you p- could potentially see Indiana slide to six, which would set up a four or five series between Philly, Miami, uh, kind of the tail perfect kind of setup there for you know Miami to win a couple of games early and get Philly to quit and pack their bags. Um, but even if Philly you know moves on to the next round, they would face uh, Milwaukee. So I really find it very, very hard to consider, you know, Philadelphia anywhere close to the type of contender that their market number implies. On the flip side, I think Miami is kind of not a great matchup for Milwaukee, to be honest. Uh, that's those are two pretty sound defensive teams. Um, Milwaukee obviously exploded this season offensively thanks to a handful of contributions that were unexpected. Um, but will those same you know, will you get that same level of contribution offensively in a neutral setting? Uh, not not entirely sure about that. So I think there probably will be value uh, on Miami in that series, but Milwaukee likely makes it to the finals. The 2-3 um, the matchup gets a lot more interesting. Uh, Raptors, Celtics, in almost every metric you can find out there, are very, very, very close. I have the Raptors ahead of the Celtics, but not by a lot. Uh, the two things to keep an eye on for that Raptors and Celtics matchup are number one is Siakam in game shape. He took apparently three months off entirely. Um, I don't know how quickly he, (laughs) what's that? Didn't we all? Yeah. Yeah. I think he didn't play any basketball for three months. That's a little scary. Um, the, on the Celtics side, uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, for Chan Parsons, he's apparently going to leave. When he's leaving the bubble, when uh, his wife goes into labor, uh, I don't exactly know when that'll be. Um, but that's a non-trivial loss, uh, in, especially in terms of scoring. Celtics can go, you know, go cold scoring from time to time, so you don't want to lose Hayward. But um, I think uh, I have the Raptors winning that series with the Celtics something like fifty-five percent of the time. First, real close. Um, and 
I think the Raptors almost certainly uh, present value in the market. Uh, if and I'm kind of reading the path, reading into um, you know the just a lot of the stuff we talked about in terms of their strengths and weaknesses relative to the Bucks. Um, you know, they're in a nice spot, uh, and they're going to be lined something like plus. 300 or plus 400 in that series against the bucks. Um, so it's, it's attempting to wait and bet the, uh, series by series prices on the Raptors, uh, all the way to the finals, but, uh, the risk in waiting and, and instead of taking their Eastern conference, ch- uh, title, pr- uh, shot now is, uh, you know, Giannis can get sick <laughs> or hurt, uh, in which case, a Raptors, uh, you know, Raptors title future has massive upside potential. Uh, you got any thoughts on whether to pull the trigger on uh, Toronto to win the East at this point, or wait? Shit, shit, I don't know. I haven't watched a single NBA game all year. Hmm. This is why I'm asking you these the the tough hitting questions. Yeah, I I hate I just hate the chalk numbers here. I hate the fact that I mean, just look at these percentages. Yeah, it's implying like a sixty-ish, seventy percent one chance that they win the Bucks win the East. Well, Is I mean, like even even just two hundred five. What number are you seeing? Well, even no, I mean even just like the top for like the title. Yeah, y- you know what I'm saying. Just if you if you take those and and divide them out, like. Uh, the the two LA teams and then what is it the the I guess the Bucks are sandwiched in there the Clippers are lower, but if you take the odds of those three teams, you're saying um, that seventy seven point nine percent of the of the title chances are within those three teams, which maybe that isn't wrong, but maybe in a normal year I could agree with that. In a year like this. I think the the fact that the Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers are all lined about three to one or worse, like I hate that. I hate that, and I obviously that trickles down to the derivative of the the conference title too. I'd definitely be looking for somebody like the Heat or the Raptors and get a good price on them and see where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, a bet on the Raptors today is betting that they beat the Celtics in round two or that somehow the Sixers end up in the sixth seed and they beat the Celtics in round one, right? Yeah. Like either of those two outcomes gives you huge uh, equity and the Raptors to win the East title future bet today. And I think there's uh, I like the chances of both of those. I, I do think you can realize some value in that, that bet. Um, West is way tougher for me to really tell you one way or the other, uh, how to handicap this uh, LeBron, I think has gotten a massive advantage with the time off. Uh, I think he has spent plenty of time playing with these guys, you know, in in closed practices and things like that over the break. I doubt they have any chemistry issues on the team as we get into the restart Uh, to a degree. A lot of this NBA playoffs happening in a bubble feels like it's being driven by LeBron wanting this to happen. (laughs) So it feels you know, like he's obviously, he obviously has an outsized influence in even pulling this off. Um, so, you know, he's, he's doing it for the championship, for the Lakers. This is kind of his best shot at this, I think. A year older, especially after whatever, you know, whatever weirdness we have for the next NBA season, uh, I think jeopardizes his chances of 
future uh, title wins in LA. Um, and, you know, having two superstars is, you know, some, that's a nice redundancy for this special specific situation. So the Lakers are probably rightfully at the top of the market, even though I have the Clippers in a head to head with the Lakers uh, about a half point better. And I think their strengths with their coaching, they have better coaching, they have better defense. They, you know, they have a more clear identity the way I look at them and think of what is this team going to do in crunch time? I don't really have that answer for the Lakers. I don't know that they know yet how they, they're going to fit together in crunch time and whose roles and responsibility is what that usually takes, uh, you know, a playoff run to kind of get that, you know, that footing under you. If you have a couple of alphas like you do on the Lakers. So it's not, obvious to me what the plan will be and how they'll figure it out on the fly. Maybe I'm completely overreacting. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe true talent wins out. Maybe LeBron is, you know, is unbeatable uh, in this sort of setting, which is all very realistic. If the Lakers are still pretty good. I don't like they're a solid oh, yeah. squad. True. Oh, they're put quite that out good. there. They're quite good. Yeah. I'm putting they're it out good. there. They kicked my ass all season. That was the losingest team. I bet on uh, betting against them. Uh, I got my ass kicked betting against the Lakers this season. Now I really don't trust your take on them. Not good. Well, my take is basically that they have a very realistic chance. Like, it's not crazy. Um, I don't love the way they match up with the Rockets. If that's that's how the round, you know, if the Rockets end up, say the Rockets end up in the 4-5 matchup with the Jazz, the Jazz are utterly screwed. Um, Rockets Rockets have been kind of trendy. Maybe... Even a little earlier, as this was just discussed, how the bubble playoffs were going to work, people said, "Oh, it's you know, it's a maybe a smaller sample, maybe a weird year where a high variance team that shoots a lot of threes could just make a run." Which I don't know that that that's the case in any playoffs. I suppose I don't think it's that much different. I, I don't know. I, I just seen like three or four people trying to make a case for the Rockets and the Rockets are very good, but man, it, it's tough. Cause it, how many scenarios are there where they don't have to play both the Lakers and the Clippers, like the, the Clippers and Lakers play each other. Uh, is there a scenario where it's not one, two, the scenario that they I don't, don't know have the to play, the, the scenario that they don't have to play both. Somebody has to upset the, the, Pel- the Pelicans get in at the eight and they beat the Lakers around one. Yeah, like <laughs> like there, there's that's what I'm saying. There's no chance. There's no chance it's not one two. Like they they don't yeah. they can't play each other early or something. So one two, I think one two three in the West is pretty firmly Lakers, yep. Clippers, Nuggets. Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of shuffling. Um, I don't think the Lakers and Clippers will meet until the final E Western Conference Finals, um, and I. I think the four or five is likely going to be Utah, Houston. Um, it could be OKC, Houston. It could be Houston. But um, I mean, just just from the Rockets standpoint, OKC, Utah. Like you got to play both LA teams. That sucks. I yeah, guess. Right. Right. Hopefully they go zero for twenty seven on Corona tests. <laughs> um, yeah. Stay hey, so here's the thing about stay the health. Everybody stay healthy. The two. I guess if I wanted to pop a Rockets bubble. I would tell you that number one, uh, or I guess if I wanted to blow up the Rockets bubble first, and then I'll get negative. Um, the fact that Harden 
has had a shit ton of time off is hugely positive for them. Uh, he traditionally, you could count on him falling apart down the home stretch of the playoffs because he carries so much of the offensive burden for that team during the regular season. Um, that, but now with time off and he looks like he's in relatively good shape uh, and presumably have fewer distractions being in the bubble. Uh, you could convince me pretty easily that you would get a really superlative performance out of Harden in this uh, in this restart. Um, the flip side of that, though, is you know he never really gets the same whistle in the playoffs that he gets during the regular season. That's a problem. Uh, he never really uh, you know figured out what his plan B is if he's not getting you know the to the free throw line as often and and uh, and if his shot's not falling, which you know will happen a couple of times. Uh, a given game and, uh, you know, a given series, a couple of games given given series. And Mike D'Antoni as his coach does not really have a very effective plan B in place for when, you know, the, the plan A for the Rockets starts to fall apart. And so, uh, you know, I think that's the primary concern I would have with getting involved with the Rockets under futures, even without a good price. Mike, at some point, Mike D'Antoni is going to, you know, he's going to meet his match and he's going to get out coached in the series. And he could have a you know a two game series, two game or three one series lead on likes of the Clippers, and uh, you know we could see the Clippers come back. Well, on that it, team. it could be a team in in flux too, as they have to like find new ownership partway through the month. <laughs> yeah, Furtada Jesus, just man. goes tits up. So we won't even yeah. get into that. So, oh, this yeah. was this was good. Like, I think I learned a lot about. I needed this. I listened to a couple of their podcasts, like I said, and I needed you to fill me in with some more stuff. But yeah. I'm excited. I usually I usually get a little more jazzed up for the NBA playoffs, especially like we said, you get all those fun series prices throughout, series handicap, series totals. I used to bet a lot of those, like will it oh, go over yeah. will, will oh, it yeah. go over five and a half games? I love those. I think there's a lot of value to be found in some of that. Because yeah. I I just don't think they price it correctly as a derivative always compared to like the money line or you know how they see the game going and i think it's going to be even harder for the books because there is no home field advantage home court advantage whatever you want to say so hey let me ask you did you have anything else yeah let me ask you an opinion question um we didn't talk about the nuggets we didn't talk about denver uh obviously uh Jokic is kind of the straw that stirs the drink for denver um and he notably got the rona in Serbia, uh, you know, palling around with Djokovic and company uh, at that Serbian basketball league game. Um, now, he was in good shape. He had lost a ton of weight. He was, like, looked, like, relatively lean, actually. And I was like, oh, man, like, you know, a huge part of his game is being physical. I didn't think him being kind of a doughy, uh, you know, overweight dude was all that negative, especially given how many minutes and how impactful he was uh, in the playoffs last year. I was kind of like, his knees are thanking him. Yeah. His knees are thanking him, but he, you know, he, you know, a lot of his, I was like, I didn't care about out of shape Jokic because like he was fine in that same kind of mold uh, last year throughout the, uh, throughout the playoffs, but he got in shape, he got skinny, but then he got coronavirus. What do I do with a player like that in a, player-based model are we going to get anywhere close to 100 percent when he comes back is he going to have you know the lingering fatigue the you know breathing issues that like like what happens like if you get it and if it's symptomatic and if you're 
you know, if you're dealing with a real case of this, assuming you don't go to the hospital, like what are we expecting downstream performance wise? 20% impact? 30? It could 50? be, it could be zero. It could be 80. You know, the, yeah. you're seeing so much and you know, we won't get into full on Corona talks, but that you're seeing people that are getting it non-symptomatic popping right back. You're seeing people with long, like long-term health problems starting to form with their respiratory system. So who knows? Like that's, that's where he's an important part. He's an, he's an important enough part of that team where they would be a total wait and see like, what, what does he look like before I start even betting on their games? (laughs) Because I don't know, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm overvaluing what he's worth to the team, but if he's, if he's going to be having problems like from a health standpoint and I'm, I'm not waiting that in, or I'm just guessing, I think that's a bad bet. Or I don't know, unless you really feel strongly that the market's overreacting to that one way or the other, uh, that there's enough uncertainty there where I, I don't think I need to touch a market with the nuggets in it right away. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. That's a fair point. Like there's, there's enough other games where it's like, maybe, maybe let's see what he looks like before we dive in on that. Uh, there's okay. So there's one other point I wanted to bring up on this. Um, see what you think. Um, they obviously, they threw some lines up for the restart and the lines were all pretty well expected. Maybe a point and point and a half off here and there. I was a little surprised. I thought the I thought we might see more like Milwaukee minus three and a half against the Celtics. It was minus five and a half. That was a little more than I thought. Uh, I thought we might see uh, you know Jazz a small favorite against the Pelicans. Pelicans were a small favorite, but that's not that shocking. What was shocking? The totals. The totals. Yeah. Oh my goodness! They opened these totals extremely low. Um. For some context, the 10 games that we had pre-shutdown that the Pelicans played in, their average total was close to 240. When they were playing a slow defensive-minded team like the Jazz, the total was about eh, 234, 235, right? And even that was taking money to the over because the Pelicans have, have an absolutely dynamic offense and they play at a very, uh, very high pace. And they have not great defense. So I was pr- I pretty much fell out of my chair when I saw them hang that Jazz Pelicans total at 222. Okay, so okay, wow, we've made a 12-point adjustment on the highest scoring team in the in the league. No fans, you know. Well, that goes that cuts both ways though. I know um, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it feels aggressive. Yeah, so what this so this is the question I guess I have and curious for your your opinion on this. So Oh yeah. Also, it opened two twenty two, and it got bet down to two twenty and a half. So it got even even after opening all of these totals with massive adjustments down, uh, they got hit. Andres got hit pretty hard out of the gate. They were taking big bets. Bet online was taking thousand thousand dollars a pop on these. Uh, you know, within an hour of opening them, um, and the game's not for another twenty days. We don't even know who's going to play in them. <laughs> like, like they, they, they were really uh, writing some serious tickets here. What accounts for a five to eight percent decrease in scoring? Is it the games are going to be slower pace? Is it 
the teams are going to be out of sync offensively is that shooting is going to be impacted. Offensive efficiency is going to be impacted because they're in unfamiliar gyms. Is it a combination of all three of these things? Do we think that the players in general aren't going to care as much in the restart? So they're just, they're going to be treating this like exhibition basketball. I don't know. Like players who don't care play less defense. I yeah. Think. Like all-star game. Like, I, I think like it's, could, I, that could I think, ways, I think, right? I think some of the biggest arguments you'll see, and I use argument in the sense of money, like arguing with your money when you're betting into these lines and not in just the NBA, but in a few different sports is going to be the value of home field, home court, and the fact that there's no fans. So it'll be, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I'm not an NBA handicapper, but like I, I tend to agree with you saying that it seems like a pretty heavy move for not really knowing what this is going to look like. And the fact that it got bet yeah. further seems interesting and they were taking decent limits, but that'll be, that's another kind of wait and see, because I think if you can get a good grasp on that in a hurry, determining, you know, what you think it's actually worth and how some of these teams are looking away from home, but not on a true road game with no fans. Yeah, uh, usually the books are a little slower to adjust than they should be because, yeah. you know, they can't, they can't just, pop back 12 points the other way the next day. Right, right, right. And it's across the league. Every game was yeah. long. They, I think on I think I averaged it all up and it basically every game had you know, on average you were it was about a 6% adjustment down in implied pace. Which is a lot. 6% is big. And I was also thinking back to like 2 years ago started the season like that October um, it was scoring was crazy, crazy, and it was some of it was pace, some you know, some of it was rule changes. Um, but you know, like people think, like, oh, well, you know, it's gonna be a little sloppier basketball, and they don't have anything to play for. And I, I honestly think a lot of that stuff cuts both ways, which it, you know, I, I was willing to say, okay, well, if they line these regular you know these restart games like they used to line the regular season games um maybe it'll be worth uh just blind betting a bunch of these unders assuming that uh you know at some point they pull the starters in a lot of these contests and you know and they you know they wave the white flag on a whole quarter's worth of normal scoring conditions right but the 12 point adjustment down is is uh is big enough that now i'm thinking like there's probably an angle blind betting these overs and just seeing if they, you know, if they made too conservative an adjustment for pace, because I don't know, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's as big as a big deal as they made it. They built, they built it into these lines. Well, I think you could make food for thought again. Yeah, you could probably make a pretty good, a pretty good uh, better two live as we start when you see what some teams' plans are for the second half of a game that doesn't really matter. Oh, great point. Great point. I like that point. Okay. Well, that was that was fun to talk all that out. It's been stewing here for a month while we've been figuring out what the actual plans are going to be. And now I can stew for another three weeks and as we wait for tip-off here. But uh, I'm fired up. What's your level of excitement? I'm, I'm pretty excited just because it's – I mean, it's still going to be the NBA playoffs. 
Like, you know, it's going to be weird without the fans and the fact that it's goofy and you don't get the fun home courts, but it's better than nothing, man. Like, I love golf. I like watching UFC, but the NBA play, I, I got robbed of March Madness. We haven't had baseball all year. I want one of the big sports back, so I'm excited. Yeah. I think a lot of people are excited who normally might not be for NBA. Yeah. They could have done it better, but I'm agree with you. Yeah. It's better than nothing. Better than nothing. Cool. All right. Well, we'll reconvene later in the week and get a little into football. That sounds great. All right. Perfect. Perfect.